If you want heaps good history, a little touch of mystery, with lots of hilarity, it's Adelol. Welcome to Adelol, the heaps good history podcast, where we explore stories from South Australia's unique and often hilarious history. I'm Dan, I'm a born and bred South Aussie, and I tell stories to my mate Tom. That's me. Who moved here from the UK in 2003 and brings a touch of the outsider's perspective. Brilliant. Loving it. We got a new shorter intro, which I've just kind of ad-libbed. Yeah. It works well. Yeah, it covers up for the fact that uh, initially the concept was that we'd tell each other stories and then we worked out that it just wasn't as funny. Yeah, because Tom, you told a story to me once or twice. Yeah. that left we tried me, it. That left me to do the jokes, and yeah. I've I've got nothing. Whereas Tom will just make up stories about oh, the the most heinous things, or just put offensive accents on things. <laughs> yeah, Tom's the accent guy. I'm the reading guy. I'm hoping that this episode doesn't have any offensive accents. Oh my god! <laughs> Point of contention uh, at the moment between. Uh, anyway, we'll get okay, to yeah, that. We'll get there. Anyway. Yeah. Beer of the episode. Oh, we're back on our good mates. Yeah, so our good mates we've gone. It. We've gone for something. Look, I'm not going to slag them off and say unsophisticated because that's mean. What I'm when I'm when I say unsophisticated, I mean stock standard. When I say stock standard, I mean old reliable. And when we've you, gone. Yep, yeah, go on. When you say old reliable, I say one of my favorite beers. Okay, so, so we've gone. So this epitomizes like the beers that I like. like okay, got as it. Plain as you go. got it. Okay, well, when you drink this mm. and like keep in mind that this is a lager. And we have tried some other lagers recently from other South Australian brewers, which yep. do not taste no, like this. Get rid of them. Yeah. So we're going for the Cooper's Lager tonight. Yeah. Give, me, give me a fine Cooper's filtered. Lager or anything. Cooper's Lager and Cooper's Clear make up my fridge. Like, yeah. That's, that's it. See, I don't like Cooper's Clear because I think it tastes like glue. Oh, delicious. Yeah, I'm not a big that's fan, but Cooper's Lager, I think, is brilliant. I actually really like really? this beer. Yeah, Let's crack them. Right, I'm going to try your fancy bottle opener for a change. And I, I'm just going to open it because I think it's a screw top. Oh, okay, really? Oh, it is too. All right, I've got to do that. Hey. Hey. It's Cooper's. It's not Anne in a can. Not Anne in a can. Anne in a can. If you haven't listened to our second episode, Thomas Cooper, give that a whirl. One of my... One of my favourite episodes because I cannot stop laughing at Tom's uh, accent in that. And yeah, and in a can. And there's there's one line which just pops into my head every now and then. Sure. Which is, and I don't know why, it's just this line. Close your legs, un. Nah, <laughs> it just really stuck in my head for some Good reason. Good advice as well. Yeah, for is. anyone out there, cool, Dan. Keep your legs closed. Close your legs, un. All right. Tom. Dan. This is the story of David Hicks. Amazing. Amazing. I know who David Hicks is. We all know who David Hicks is. Can I just mention very quickly personal connection? Oh my God, already? Mm. Wow. We always have a personal connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex-girlfriend. Was David Hicks. David Hicks' cousin. No way. Yep. Really? Yep. When I say ex-girlfriend, Dan... That one? Yeah. Oh, that's a story for... Probably to keep off the air, but yeah, yeah, that's an amazing story. Yeah. Although I am going to try and get my... Favorite ever story out of you in one episode because it kind of relates to the content. What's your favorite ever story? No, no, it's just going to be a surprise. Okay, okay, okay. Excellent. David Hicks was born in Adelaide, South Australia, 7th of August 1975, to Terry and Susan Hicks. Personal connection. Yes, go ahead. On my side. Um, one of my very good mates. Um, also. David who Hicks' was cousin. The guy, the guy in the bar at the Live at the Zoo episode who got off the, the, yep. the Rise Against the Machine. 
he seems when, to be... when people talk about Adelaide, <laughs> when people talk about six degrees of separation, Adelaide is two degrees of separation. Yeah. You know someone who knows someone who was there, or you know someone who was there, or you were there. Yeah. So my mate, who was the same guy who got offered tickets to Live at the Zoo slash Rise Against the Machine, yeah. um, he seems to be the Forrest Gump of Adelaide and is just always cropping up in, in situations where things happen. Uh, worked with Terry Hicks. Um, I won't say where, uh, but worked with him for quite a time. And like Terry Hicks, he's like, yeah, absolute legend. Firework factory. Pleasure. <laughs> Pleasure to work. <laughs> C4 <laughs> company. But yeah. No, um, absolute. Yeah. So there's no. Yeah, look, I, I, I've never met Terry Hicks. And um, from all the interviews, it seems like a great guy. Well, seriously. like I was going to say that. And, it, like, it's, and it's difficult and controversial to come out and say that because obviously, like, the whole situation with his son really complex. And I don't want to invite controversy. No, but we'd never do that. I've, no, we don't. But like, I've seen a few interviews with him, and he seems like just a completely like down to earth, yeah, good dude and who just basically like wanted his son back. Yeah, and that's right, and that's what my good friend said. He's like, yeah, we used to work with him. He'd like make no excuses about where he was going or what he was doing. He was always like, "Yep, I'm Terry Hicks trying to get my son David back." From yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. Yep. And like, to be fair, it's like you know, I've got a son, you've got a yeah. son. Why wouldn't you? If my son. Join the Taliban. I'd, I'd, I'd probably so, be... I think you mean when your son joins yeah. the Taliban. <laughs> I'd probably be like very disappointed in him, but equally... He's your boy. Yeah, that's right. He's your boy. That's right. Brought up, brought up in the northern suburbs, David was described by his father, Terry, as, quote, extremely creative, but a typical boy who couldn't settle down. And by his former principal... Couldn't at- settle down and stop building <laughs> rocket-propelled grenades. And by his former school principal at Smithfield Plains High School as one of the most troublesome kids he's come across. I don't want to judge Smithfield Plains High School. Couldn't get him to read a book. But I'd, I'd imagine... And t- and, and, and couldn't get him to read the book until he, until he got a copy of the Quran. <laughs> I imagine that principal's seen a lot of troublesome kids. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and if you're described as one of the most troublesome kids of Smithfield Plains yeah, High, yeah. this isn't like... Yeah. Ross Trevor or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, not not yeah. saying there's bad not bad kids at Smithfield High and great kids at Ross Trevor, but I, I imagine I once you're got seeing... shanked in the neck with a blunt <laughs> pencil. But David Hicks was one of the most troubled kids I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, his parents separated when he was around ten, and David began to rebel. He experimented with alcohol and drugs as a teenager, and was expelled from school in 1990 at age 14. So, mm, I wow. love how a lot of this history that we cover is so recent as well. It's like, yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. these days, yeah, like, yeah. things happening then. Yeah, crazy. So, before turning 15, Hicks was given dispensation by his father from attending school. And so, his dad was like, all right, well, you, you shit ass at school, go find a job, basically. Yep, yep. Um, And he bounced around, you know, various jobs like... Mosques. Wel- <laughs> welding, factory work, and a series of... Outback cattle stations as a jackaroo. Ah, uh-huh, okay. He met Jody. Sparrow. Just for people that uh, listeners in the UK, a jackaroo is 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 like a uh, a cowboy, basically an outback cowboy, right? Oh, I thought it was like where you wanked off kangaroos. <laughs> jackaroo. It's yeah. not not what it is. Well, now it is. It's <laughs> going to jackaroo. Yeah, big time. In the outback, timey kangaroo down sport. Oh, mm. that's that's all. Uh, hey. <laughs> Don't, yeah, and also don't make jokes about like um, tying kangaroos down because um, you know the original Skippy, how they used to get Skippy to go. No, this is going to ruin it for me, Tom. Don't say this. You know how Skippy used to go. Yeah, and they'd be like, "What's that, Skip?" You know how they got Skippy to do that? Wow. They nailed his feet to the floor. Fuck. Yep. 
Oh. I don't know if they nailed the feet down, but they basically like held his feet down so they couldn't jump, oh. and that would make the kangaroo go. That's how they got oh. it to oh, do the noise. Cute. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. Cute. it's <laughs> straight up anim- straight up animal cruelty. Fucking hell. Anyway, good. Yeah, anyway, that's that's a jackaroo. In case it, <laughs> David met j- <laughs> you nail its feet to the floor and then beat it off. That's a nailaroo. <laughs> Hammeroo. That's where the name Lamaroo comes from. So. <laughs> Shout out to our well, well, I, I only I only found out recently that it's actually called Lamaru. Like I see I see it and I just assume it's Lame Roo. Yeah. And it's right. not. I had to go there for work recently. Oh mate, that's awful. It's one street. No, the people there were really nice. Oh like the people from Lamaru are wonderful. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to live there. Oh, definitely not. It looks hot all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So David met Jody Sparrow in not, ma- at- not, not many teeth in Lamaru. <laughs> Jody met Jody. David met, well, Jody met David in Adelaide when he was a 17-year-old butcher. So, 17. He's gone from jacking off roos to slicing them up. Slicing the roos. I yep. like kangaroo meat, by the way. So, <laughs> so did he. That's why he works as a jackaroo. <laughs> oh, why's, why's this steak got a nail in it? <laughs> What's that, Skip? <laughs> oh. Sparrow already had a daughter whom Hicks raised as his own. So, he found a cat. Yeah. Cuckolded. Yeah, oh, awkward. That's a weird word that you British use all the time. And I'm, not, I'm still not quite sure what it means, but I kind of get what it means. But I don't want to Google it because I'll be like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Hicks goes into porn genres that you don't want to explore. Hicks and Sparrow had two children together, daughter Bonnie and son Terry, before separating in 1996. He named his son after his dad. He did, isn't that nice? Family, nice? family values. This separation devastated David. So once again, he's seen a breakup yeah, in his rejection. life. So he just yeah, doesn't yeah, have, like, yeah. early on in his life, in his formative years, he's not getting that connection yep. that a lot of people have. Yep. And stability. Yep. He's only solace, just beating off a kangaroo. <laughs> so not being able to see his children, um, he wanted to get out of a rut, obviously, as you would. Yep. So, Turned to Islam. Common sense. He moved to Japan to become a horse trainer. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> So As you do. He's like, I've got lots of experience in jacking off kangaroos. I figure a horse is the next it's time step. for the big time. It's time, it's but time like, for seriously, the big time. when I was uh, 17, 18, 19, I was having a bad time in my life. Didn't go to Japan to become a horse trainer. Yeah, but when you were 17, 18, 19, you hadn't like dropped out of Smithfield High <laughs> yeah. and had three kids, well, two, and spent years jacking off a kangaroo. That's right. So like, he's already in a mixed up place. Yeah, he is. Um, Understandable. So that's why that's why my brain goes. You know what, Dan? Go on a Kentucky tour. Yeah. His brain goes. Go to Japan and become a horse trainer. Yeah. Of yeah. all things. Why not? So, but David gets there, and he fucking loves Japan. So you're gonna say he just loves horses? Just, oh. just do, <laughs> you know, he, he's obsessed by different languages, different cultures. Also, and though, like of all the places to go and become a horse trainer. Japan? Like, yeah, I surely think, there's better... No, no. I think Japan is like it in a bit for like money stakes and things like that. For horses? Yeah. I always assumed oh, okay. it was like... Um, yeah, see, this US. is what's so fascinating about Japan is because like p- people can enjoy J- people can enjoy Japan on so many levels. It's like my assumption when I talk to people who love J- Japan and Japanese culture yep. is that they're into like anime and like they're into like, you know, right, like yeah. the music scene is really big in Japan and like all that. They're into like mm-hmm. Japanese rock music or that they're into like, you know... Um, Cars, yep. Drifting. But it's like lots of people love Japan because they love skiing, and it's like one of the best places in the world to go skiing. Yeah, and it's like it you wouldn't like... know that unless you had a conversation with someone. that's like, oh, I go to Japan three times a year. Oh, like I assume you're a you know you know you're a Japanese you, culture you aficionado. Love, nah, nah. love the skiing. It's like so the, so there's there's multiple layers to uh, yeah, you know 
enjoying Japan. Absolutely. Um, so he loves it, different cultures and all that. But then, so this makes him realize that there's a lot more to the world than the northern suburbs of Adelaide. Yeah. And he wants to see more of it, which props to him because I've, um, my background is um, sort of social work and things like that. Okay. Okay. So. Really? I worked in the northern suburbs for a really long time. You know this. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we used to work at the same place. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I worked in the northern suburbs and it's so sad to see so many people who have never been to the beach, never been to the city, never been out of the city of Playford. It's yeah. just, just that's, that's life there. Yeah. So, but David... It's sad. Whereas I'm a sad, I'm, and and you you know you 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 live in the north. Well, northeast. well, I'm northeast. There's and, you a know, big difference. Whereas I'm a south boy, so I'm just like anything north of Grand Junction is scum. I know that's exactly got no right. time for it. That's exactly right. It kind of is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so so he's like, okay, I love the, the mullet proof fence. We call it. <laughs> love the world. Want to see more of it? Here's a plan. I'm going to ride the old Silk Road. Training route, trading route by horse. Okay, I don't know. As opposed to taking the train, the, tra- the, the like Trans Siberian Railway, yeah, which yeah, is how my most people do it. He's yep. loved it. Yep. Nah, wants to do it by horse. Don't know if you know how big this is, but it goes from Japan. I thought you were talking about the horse. It's a big horse, but it's no room. <laughs> but it goes from Japan to the Mediterranean Sea, which is like as far as you can get yeah. on land, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, he wants to do that and I'm like, Christ, I'm reading this. I'm like, oh, why don't you just go on a Kentucky tour, mate? You get on a bus, there's women. Go on a Kentucky yeah. tour, meet, meet, meet a nice new girl. Meet, meet a new girl. Have another couple of kids. Move back to the northern suburbs of Adelaide. <laughs> just settle live down. Live your life. You know, you might even, you know, you might even move out of Smithfield one day. You'll make it up, up market to, to Elizabeth Park. Manabara, yeah. Like yeah, yep. that's right. So he's, he's researching the countries that he's going to be passing through. Um, and he discovers Islam. And so he starts, obviously, becoming more religiously and politically aware. Okay. Generally, those things aren't necess- aren't, aren't, <laughs> don't go hand in hand at all. No, not at Become all. Become m- m- more religiously aware, less politically aware. But when he saw, started seeing on the telly the fighting in Kosovo at the time, where basically the Serbian, Serbian military were just killing people... Um, indiscriminately, yeah. Um, he gave up on his dream of riding the Silk Road on horseback and decided to join the Kosovo Liberation Army, the KLA. I'll refer to it mm-hmm. as from here on in. So he's obviously trying to find something in his life, like a lot of 17, 18, 19, 20 yeah. year olds yeah. are. He's just had like this upbringing that makes it, I don't know. He's touched a lot of kangaroo willies. <laughs> he's, he's been a butcher. He's been a welder. He's got more skills. He's than got his can, hand on some meat. He, he's got more skills. Did than you it. go through a phase like that when you were like a teenage, like a late teens sort of lad? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What, so what, what, what touching, was, no, no, no touching. No, animals. not not touching that. No, I mean, I mean the more the kind of like um, that that feeling of like I want to do something exciting or different. I want to yeah. sort of see the world in a different way. I want to kind of experience life in a different way. And you kind of have that sort of sense of I want to do something interesting yeah. or unique or kind of yeah. So you right. basically at, had that. Yeah. And nineteen, I moved to London. Yeah, which is yeah, not that exciting. It's just a, a no, str- no, but Australia it's, but it's like, weather. But you're <laughs> like you're still a teenager moving to the other side of the world. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. And on the day I arrived was um, the bigger. London bombings in the tubes and things like that. So yeah, nice. So, yeah, so yeah, I open it. Perfect timing. Yeah, yeah, perfect timing. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, David calls his dad. Did you when you were sort of that that around that age? Did you mm. want to do something different? You yeah. ne- you nearly got to play live at the zoo, which would have been live. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, little claim to fame. No, but I think it's like everyone at that 
that period of time, you, like things that you get focused on um, that become like really kind of real and like really meaningful to you. Like for example, at that time, um, like I was very kind of politically aware. Mm. I always have been, but as like a nineteen, twenty year old, I was reading like a lot of like Noam Chomsky and like you know George Orwell kind of essay works and yeah. stuff, and and sort of really getting into the idea of um, of you know like wanting to like challenge the system and sort That's of, you right. know, to, to question how, the, not in some wacky conspiratorial way, but I was kind of, you know, like trying to figure out my, my understanding of the world and get kind of a, a keen sense of, you know, how I viewed things and how I kind of came to look at how the world worked. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think most people do with that sort of, yeah, definitely, definitely. Views where you've kind of starting to get that freedom and it's like, but, well, fuck this, there's more yeah, to the world than, that's than right. what I know. That's the one. And, but also combining that with them, like that was about the, the same time in my life when I started to travel and go overseas. Yeah. And so like, you know, I did that, like you say, in a normal way, like I didn't do Kentucky tours, but I went yeah. and just, you know, visited countries that are backpacked. Yeah, that's it. Whereas <laughs> he's gone like, I want to go beyond the backpack and I want to do something that's like a little bit out there. He's like, fuck you backpack normies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm well, gonna, basically, yeah. 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 He's, gonna, he's, he's, gonna gone hipster. he's gone hipster on the, on the backpacking concept. Yeah. yeah. So David calls his dad, Terry and says, I'm joining the KLA. And I was watching a lot of interviews with Terry's dad. And I love this quote from um, David's dad, Terry. And his dad's like, Oh, you got a job working for an airline. That's great. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's sweet of his dad Terry. Yeah. I think. He's like, oh, David's. You know, he's working for Anset now. Yeah, but in a yeah. way that that kind of like shows you, like, and, and I'm, just, I'm not having to go at like Terry Hicks, but it's like shows you the mentality in a sense. It's like I get the I get the feeling that like David Hicks was smart enough to know that he wanted something more from his life, but not smart enough to to kind of have the critical thinking skills that would have allowed him to go. Hang on. <laughs> Yeah. Do I want to go to a country I've never heard of and like join in, you know, in a, in a civil let's, war, let's in a civil fighting. war that yeah. I, you know, that I don't have a place being involved in? Mm-hmm. And he obviously didn't have those critical thinking skills, mm-hmm. which like, you know, you wouldn't get involved. You wouldn't become a you know religious fanatic and join a, you know, militant, no. violent militant group unless you kind of lacked critical thinking skills, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Or unless you were just kind of really mm-hmm. interested in. Shooting people. Yeah, it could be that way. Um, you can take the boy out of the north, but you can't take the north out of the boy. <laughs> so he goes to Albania in 1999 to a train, attend training camps, which he described as, quote, a life-changing experience. Sure, it would be at 19, just going to a training camp and fucking learning how to yeah. kill and all that. Yeah, yeah. So basically, he needs to do two training courses to become part of the KLA. One in Occupel, one was Oc Health and Safety. Yeah, the other one's heavy lifting. Yeah, heavy lifting, heavy lifting of uh, of, of a rifle. <laughs> so, second half of the second one is like um like just just a typing and admin. Yeah, 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 that's right. And you've got to do your first aid. Oh, yeah. So, if you yeah. want to be in the KLA, you got to big be, time, big time, big time. Um, so he needs to do two training courses. Finishes his basic one, first one. He's like yep. loves it. Love oh, HNS knows you bend you bend your knees. You don't yep. put you don't put that's it into it. your back. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Just about to complete his second one. So he's, he's just on the, you know, the what happens in a fire situation. Yeah. Just a, like days away from completing his second one and the conflict ends in Kosovo. Aww. So David never actually steps foot into Kosovo to fight for the cause he's so passionate about. So, so that would have been so frustrating. Yeah. He, he's like, I know that, that a fire escape opens outwards, <laughs> never inwards. Um, I got a hundred percent. I got a hundred percent on my um 
hazardous office materials. Well, look, I got 80% test. the first time, but you're allowed to refresh the page yeah, and take yeah, it again. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, and just about to, um, like, <laughs> literally tomorrow I was going to go in and I was going to do I was going to do the test on um, uh, identifying uh, hazards, like uh, extension cords. Extend, yeah, like yeah. Um, you know, like basically, um, you know, all that kind of stuff, and 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 like basic things like don't <laughs> don't um, you know don't stick a fork in a plug socket. And they were like, conflicts over. It's done. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so it was during this training time in Albania. Um, that he posed for that photo. You know that photo of David Hicks, the infamous photo? The one, like the, the, the double page spread and it's just him just jacking off a, ro- a kangaroo? Not that one. The oh, other, okay. The other uh, one where he's just holding the big bazooka, which the advertiser yeah. just fucking... The loves. really famous one. Of the him. really famous yep. one. The, yeah, the other famous one. Yeah. Um, the advertiser just loves this. Like, put this on the front page of the paper. Let's let's not... That'll make people sympathetic to... This, uh, this'll, yeah. this'll, this'll paint a fair judgment. So we'll just put a... Dude holding a bazooka on a page. Wait, it's not even a bazooka. It's a, um, uh, what is it? Oh, it is a bazooka. Um, th- this will make people think, you know, this is, this guy's all right. Yeah. yeah. So, what, what, what I, what, what I, yeah, what I found is that if you want to get a fair hearing, um, you, as your, like your, your kind of public persona picture, make sure it's a, an image of you holding a, like a really deadly weapon. Wear it while wearing a wife beater. Because it's like you, you, every time someone shoots up a school, there's always a picture of them just like always with a gun. Always. And look, so David has since described this photo. So he wasn't even in Taliban at this point. This is just a photo that's been yeah, floating around yeah. him as quote. A he, so he hadn't, hadn't even joined a murderous, a murderous band of murderers. Basically, they found an empty weapons coven. They're a bunch of nineteen-year-old lads with a camera. What the fuck do you think? Yeah, they're see, gonna that, do? see, hang on. But see, this is this is problematic because it's like. I went to Cambodia for the first time in 2008 or yep. 2009, 2009. Mm. So I would have been, oh God, I turned 21 in 2007. So it would have been 22, 23. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one of the things, have you ever been to Cambodia? No, I know, but I know what goes on. Yeah. So I've never had a holiday. When, you, when you touch down in Phnom Penh, um, it's it's really it's actually it's kind of grim and confronting because there's like the two main tourist attractions or the, uh, the two main tourist attractions are S twenty one which is the um, Telslong, um it's a, it's basically like a torture museum it's a, it's a museum where um, it was formerly a school and then it, the school was turned into um, like a basically a place where they would take people and torture them so yep. the um, the Pol Pot regime the communist yeah, regime Pol Pot, but what's the other one Tom? Yeah, yeah. Um, they would take people there and they torture them, and uh, <laughs> and um, and then the other like main tourist attraction is the Killing Fields, which is like the place where they would take people after they torture them, and then they would dump the bodies. Yeah. It's like four and a half you know million people killed as a result of the the, the Cambodian genocide. So it's grim, mm-hmm. and they take you to these two tourist sites, and then you get back in the taxi, and they're like. Hey, you want to go shoot a gun? <laughs> yep. Which is like after you've just kind of gone to like you know a, a genocide museum and 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 you know like a, a torture museum, they're like, do you want to go shoot a gun? Ah, oh, because you're like a twenty. Well, yeah, yeah. but like it, it's yeah, kind of, it's kind of grim. It's like a sort of a, like a grim paradox. But because you're like a twenty three year old and you know you, you just kind of oh experience the culture. Yeah. You go and um, you can. They give you a menu 
and you can pick from the menu like what you want to shoot. As you do. Yeah. Yep. So you'd be like, oh, I want the M16, I want the AK-47, or I want the like the rocket launcher. Yeah, why And not? you can shoot, you pay $300 US and you can shoot a cow with that, a rocket launcher. Yeah, that's right. But every time you, like you pick something from the menu, like and I think I went and did it when I was there in 2009 just because like the, you know, taxi driver talked me into it. Yeah. And uh, didn't try very hard, but um, <laughs> but it's like yeah, I'll go shoot a gun. It's like oh yeah, cool, shoot an AK, wicked, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Like as a twenty three year old, you think that's yeah, really yeah, cool? That's right. But it's like let's get a photo of you, man. Like let's get a picture of you with your gun. Yeah. And it's like okay, like I have there's a picture of me like standing there with a wall of weapons, yeah, like holding a gun, and it's like you know it's in we're in Cambodia, it's a country that's like you know three decades out from a brutal genocide. Mm. And it's like, okay, it's part of the kind of travel experience of me going there and having that. But it's like anyone could take that photo and like right. present it completely out of context and not be like, Tom was a tourist, went to Cambodia, as thousands of Australian tourists have, and shot a gun at a, at a firing range. Yep. But it said it could be like, well, Tom went to Cambodia and like here he is with some like government gorillas, <laughs> yep. um, you know, with an exactly AK. Right. You know what I mean? It's like it's taken completely out of context. Yeah. And there's so it many- makes you look like the dodgy as fucker because yeah. <laughs> you are well because i am no, but but you know what i mean it, like no, that wasn't exactly my intention i was going to bring this up i yeah. have so many pictures of me that will prevent me from ever becoming a prime minister or yeah, yeah. any sort of leader in society because just, it's like you just, you, oh well if, if we show that picture then that's that's balls deep in a squealing hog <laughs> just jacking a, jacking up just, a kangaroo this, my, this is my days as a jackaroo <laughs> dan jack- i don't think you understand what a jackaroo is <laughs> Oh, I understand. Oh, I, oh, I understand. <laughs> but yeah, no, he describes like David's very, now very since, popular in Sweden. Jackaroo films. <laughs> he's descri- David's now just described this as essentially that a silly boys shot where they're like, oh sweet, all these weapons just laying around, they're unloaded. Let's get a picture of you with that. Yeah, let's get a picture with the, with the, with the so RPG. Yeah, that's what he's done. Um, so this was obviously used to portray him negatively in the media. So since then. But anyway, before then, David returns to Adelaide wearing his KLA uniform through the T-shirt. You know, he hadn't even fought for them. His dad's like, is that, is that the logo of the airline? They it's changed like, the logo. He's like, do, do, do you do the onboard drinks? Do you get or? free nuts? <laughs> do you hand out the headphones? Or do you do? He still thinks he's in an airline. So, but like, David's just desperate to belong somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, he was proud of what he did in the KLA, even though he actually, you know, didn't do that much. Yeah. But he knows how to lift and how to turn properly and, you know, how to yeah. look around corners. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. How to, how to, how to assess uh, a sprinkler system for, for potential problems. <laughs> but yeah. now he wants, to, he wants to chase that feeling. So he's like, I, yeah. I, I know what I want to do with my life. I want to belong somewhere and have a purpose, which is rad, which is what so many, you know, 19, 20 year olds want to do. He knows how to identify a hazard. <laughs> to assess its danger and to inform someone to get it fixed. That's right. So he tries to sign up to the Australian Army. A lot of problems could have been solved right oh, here and then. Oh, wow. So he tries to sign up to the Aussie Army. He's like, I already know how to shoot a, <laughs> shoot, shoot, shoot a rocket-propelled grenade. Here's a picture of me with one. <laughs> like, yeah, like, out of context, gonna, mate. That yeah, yeah, yeah. So he tries to sign up to the Australian you Army. You have some psychological, deep-seated <laughs> psychological issues. You'd be perfect for the army. Mm. But unfortunately, you haven't completed year 10, which is why he couldn't get into the Australian army. Because wow. I don't know what, how a year 10 education really helps when you've had a whole you know, shitload of life experience, more life experience than I've had. Yeah, but, he's still, but, no, but it does help, though, because he doesn't have any critical thinking skills. Like, 
otherwise he wouldn't be wouldn't have got into the bullshit that he got into. So the, he doesn't get into. You need to go back and redo your ten, so you can like you can appropriately read a text. How does like Pythagoras's theorem work? No, it's not. Art? It's not Pythagoras's theorem though. Like I think like the benefit you get from staying in school, and this is like this, put my teacher hat on. Yeah, yeah. Um, the benefit you get from staying in school longer is that like you. Like it's to, you get a chance. Not everyone does it, but you get a chance to develop some of those critical That's thinking right. skills. That's right. So he tries because it's like you get smart people that leave school at year ten, mm. and they're like. You know, I'm convinced that that's like all the, all the crazy internet conspiracy theories. You know, all the kind of you know building eleven nine eleven lunatics yeah, yeah. and so building seven nine eleven lunatics and all the flat earthers and stuff like that. Mm. It's smart people who are capable of getting on the internet and researching a bunch of shit, but they have no critical thinking That's skills. They can't actually go, hang on, this doesn't fit together correctly because they're intelligent, but they left school at year nine yeah, or year 10 it. and they're just, yeah. you know. So he's disappointed and depressed. Uh, eventually he finds work as a chicken deboner in a supermarket. So he's <laughs> a chicken deboner. It's like jackaroo. Chickaroo. So I, I, he's a chickaroo. I worked as a jackaroo. They're like, oh, well, how'd you like a boner chicken? He's like, I'll do it. Uh, do you know how to jack- de- when you've jacked off a chicken? kangaroo? I've deboned many. When you've kangaroos. jacked off a kangaroo, boning a chicken is the height of sophistication. <laughs> Feeling lost and thinking back of his dream of riding the Silk Road, he decides to try and meet a Muslim and explore Islam. So, just as you do, thank you, mm-hmm. Australian Army, for doing this. Assalamu alaikum. So, this is 1999. So, no, no internet access. Oh, there is, but you know, yeah, it's, yeah, mm, yeah. Yeah. It's like beep, 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 beep. Oh, Yep. So this is 99. So he gets oh, the... <laughs> this picture of me with this rocket propelled grenade is taking take forever to take forever to upload. So he gets on the yellow pa- gets the yellow pages out and he finds the Gillis Plains Igla- Islamic Center. I don't know what he was searching for. He's just like m- Muslim m- musicians, mufflers, uh, m- m- yeah. oh, Muslims, there yeah. we go. Uh, Gillis Plains. Alright, that's close. Munchausen's <laughs> Uh, oh, Muslims. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So he goes to the Gillis Plains Islamic Center, uh, which is on, uh, I forget the name of the road, but I know where it's, it is. It's a Gillis Plains. No, it's, it's Wandana. It's the same road as. Um, oh, Wandana. okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so David felt at home with the local Muslims and he reaches out to become a Muslim. Three months later, David is now known as Muhammad Dawood. It kind of says like David. So I'm going to keep referring to him as his David. Yeah, that's fine. So as part of like becoming uh, Islamic and Muslim and all that, he heads off to Pakistan to spread the word of Islam. Okay. Yeah. Hang it on. seems Hang like on. he's very easily mm, talked into things. Yeah. Our mate David. Look, if you're a Mormon and you want to spread the Mormon vibe. Yeah. Getting assigned to like you know how Mormons go on their uh, they go on their their quest and they the, you know they spend two years talking people in uh, if you've seen the Book of Mormon uh, that's the, right. the stage show it, I see it's, it's right fantastic go to Melbourne go to Melbourne and check it out right. um, but it, if you're a Mormon you, you you do two years and they they call it your um, uh, it's like your quest basically is that where you get the blokes on the bikes that's yeah them okay yeah, yeah yeah I have a funny story to tell but you go okay awesome so uh, when you're a Mormon you, you turn like 19 or whatever you go and you do your two years of kind of service and it's basically like um, it's mission, missionary work essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you go and you, you, you go to countries where you have an opportunity to spread the Mormon viewpoint um, you don't get assigned to Salt Lake City because Salt Lake City is already full of fucking Mormons. That's right. It's like, oh, we've, we've job's yeah. done here, mate. So it's like he's getting interested in Islam here in Australia, yeah. and they're like, spread the good word, and he's like, I'll do it. <laughs> they're like, go to Pakistan, 
and help to spread yeah Islam in Pakistan, which like <laughs> there's already there's a lot there. Uh, where where it, well, I don't want to simplify history, but the reason why India and Pakistan aren't one country still is because like Pakistan wanted to be an independent nation because it's it's a Muslim nation. They're set on that. They love so, that. like, why are you going there to spread the good word? There like, are surely, surely, stay in you, Australia. Have you, have you and heard about sh- being a Muslim? Like, yeah, dude, we're, that's us. <laughs> stay in Australia and like, because you know, like, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, not, you know, look, looking at Gillis Plains. Not that many. Like, let's think of the surrounding suburbs of Gillis Plains. Not that many Muslims. You've got. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a hazard guess. You got Valley View. You've got Holden Hill. You've yep. got. Like hybrid, yeah, not many Muslims. I'm not guessing. many Muslims. Yeah. So it's like stay where you are. If if you really want to spread the good word, that'd work. And I'm, you know, benefit the doubt here. That's what they wanted him to do, right? Mm. Stay where you are. Yeah, that's but right. they're sending him it to seems Pakistan. Like, it seems like they're sending him on a bit yeah, of a mission. Almost, here. it's almost like they're kind of yeah. it's, it doesn't quite fit together. But David's does it? like, no, oh, okay, I'll go to Pakistan. I'll go to a place where there's already loads of Muslims <laughs> and try to convince them that Islam is the way. David, we need someone to teach the uh, heavy lifting skills David, that you have. Uh, uh, you have uh, a. a you are very good at, uh, how you say, a, uh, <laughs> a jackaroo. Yes, yes, yes. You go to uh, Pakistan, you will help them find the way to God. He's like, ah. So during this time in Pakistan, he meets two military men. Oh, well, of course he did. Yeah. yeah. These, these guys just happened to bump into him, and they happen to have extreme views on Islam. Pieces are fitting together. Yeah. Um, so he meets these two dudes with extreme views on Islam. So they're like, hey, we're freedom fighters against the Indian military. And look, these bastards are invading our land. They're like... Of course they are. Killing and raping and all of that. And this reminds David of Kosovo. He's like in his head. He's like, oh, yeah, this is my calling. So he's like, yeah, man, sign me up. Let's do it. So right. he thinks, look, in his defense, he thinks this group is legit and working under the Pakistan government intelligence. But it turns out this group, Lashkar et Toiba, Lashkar et Toiba, they're basically a fundamentalist terrorist organization against yeah. India. So, well, yeah, you know how it is with the Indians. Yeah, so, uh, but again, so. though, but again, though, like you, you went to Pakistan to trying to spread, you know, trying to spread the good word, and like bumped into some fundamentalist. Yeah. So militants, it's like mm, you didn't see that coming. Kind of sent on a bit of a mission, yeah. Dave. So anyway, he ends up at their training camp in March 2000. Learns about the weapons, ranging from pistols to aircraft missiles. Missiles. After three months, he's sent to the battle lines of Kashmir. Uh, they sometimes. So he moved beyond the um, the Oc health and safety stuff. They actually had to put a put a gun in his hand. That's right. Imagine Someone should training. have taken a photo of that. <laughs> the training he had to do for that. So David's like firing across the border at the en- enemy now. Um, and not hitting anything <laughs> Probably not He didn't do that much Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you hadn't done year 10 You can't handle yeah, a rifle right, If you right. haven't done year 10 <laughs> Australian <laughs> Army says You will not be a good that's right. Target shooter If you haven't completed you year 10 You will not be able to kill a man At 100 metres If you, you haven't finished yeah, year 10 yeah. You only learn that in your SACE That's what it stands yeah, for yeah, yeah. Shooting and killing shooting. everyone Shoot. I clearly didn't do SACE Because yeah. I don't know a C is Shoot, SACE stands for Shooting a cunt every day <laughs> So much better than mine. <laughs> Say, shooting a cunt every day. 
Dave, you didn't do it. Sorry. Boom, boom, boom. You yeah. won't be hitting. Yeah. That's what they ask in the Taliban. Have you done have your... You, have, you, have you done your shooting a cunt? How you say shoot the cunt today? Uh, size? <laughs> yes, it says a shooting a cunt every day. Have you finished this one? What was your TR? You know, your terrorist examination report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's uh, get a 92 uh, 92. He's, uh, That's a, oh, I got a 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> Best marks in class. 9-11 is top score you can get. <laughs> so... He's firing across the border, and his ideology is now becoming a bit more radical because he's hanging out. With a him. bit more <laughs> radical. <laughs> Look, uh, up to this point, he's been a, he's been fairly moderate, <laughs> he's been um, quite conservative. But uh, spreading the good word. Ideologically, now he's now he's in Pakistan and has been trained to use a multitude of different weapons, and he's shooting across the border. He ideologically, <laughs> uh, he's 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 a little. He's kicking he's a, off a bit. Always. Yeah, he's borderline radical. He's borderline... Borderline radical. He's borderline radical. He's not fully radical. He's not, you know, Vanilla Ice in 1990 radical. Oh, yeah. But he's getting there. He's not like Poochie from The Simpsons with a backwards cap (laughs) riding a skateboard radical. But he's he's getting there. So, during this time, he wrote multiple letters to his mother, Sue, back in Australia. Oh, my God. I've made a huge mistake. Get me out of here. (laughs) No, no, no. Make sure no one sees that picture of me with a (laughs) rocket-propelled grenade. They're more like, quote, the West is full of... Poison. Well, that's true. <laughs> Jihad is still valid today. The Jews have financial control of the Australian government. Again, bang on. I will always fight for Islam, which, you know, in hindsight, he's now saying, oh, yeah, these were disgusting and shameful ramblings of a naive young man. And you know what? Fair enough. He's, he's in neck deep, constant propaganda, wanting to fit in. Yeah. Um, it would have an impact on anyone. Yeah, and again, and again, and again, I don't want to put the teacher hat on. But yeah. is that critical no, thinking? It, no critical thinking skills. That's it's like it's, he's an intelligent young guy. Yeah, he's just made a fucking stupid set of choices. Yeah. That's why I should have stayed away from 4chan in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> All my troubles. Okay, so look, uh, he asked his mum that her replies be directed to. This is his Muslim persona um, pseudonym, so to speak. Yep. Abu Muslim Australia. <laughs> so I don't know. Wasn't that the monkey from Aladdin? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so he's just taken the word Muslim and Australia and cut off the A, and that's his uh, persona. Yeah, oh, probably because like the people that he was around were like Australia, Australia. Like we refer he from Australia. Yeah. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he he believed this would circumvent non-Muslim because I'm guessing he didn't speak Arabic or yeah, 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 no, yeah. probably not yeah. Yeah, this would circumvent non-Muslim spies he believed in intercepting correspondence so in December of 2000 he moves to Afghanistan so this is where it's really kicking off boom 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 so to attend just what he thinks once again a training camp set yeah. up for Islamic freedom so like at that, at that point if he, if he had critical thinking skills yeah. and like you know basic Geography, he <laughs> understand that at that point the Taliban is what's kick- this is has re- been in control in Afghanistan for a long time. It's kicking since, off, since right? the war with the Soviets, yeah. uh, or since the war with the Soviets unwinded. So yeah, so if he had those skills, he would go. Uh, yeah, probably well, not the best place. Well, for well, one of them, to hang yeah, out. one of the most kind of radical extreme sects of of Islam, and they're uh, running an entire country, and that's where I want to go. And yeah, I just wanted to ride the Silk Road in uh, Japan. Yeah, um, should have done it. So this camp was essentially directed by Al-Qaeda, or what we know today as Al-Qaeda. Uh, but David claims not to know 
what Al Qaeda was. Yeah, horseshit. Yeah, I know. He writes home about seeing Osama bin Laden speak. We know who Osama bin Laden is speaking. Um, there's even disputed claims that Hicks questioned bin Laden about the lack of English in the training manual and subsequently began to translate the training camp member man- materials from Arabic to English. So, yeah. This is where it gets really fuzzy. So he did speak Arabic. Did... So I was wrong to accuse him of not. Yeah, I know. You well, are well, racist. I misjudged You are racist. Him. You are racist, man. You are racist. So this is how it is. He's in an Al-Qaeda training camp. Yeah, basically. But 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 to be in his defense. Mm. So Al-Qaeda bombed the World Trade Center initially, I think, in 97. Yes. So that was the, the, the car park level so, stuff. Yeah, yep. so people are aware that Al Qaeda piece of shit. Yeah, but, but they're, they're not they're not that yeah. prominent yet. Yeah. So it's like it's like someone going off. It's like some like lesser known like there's like radical um Islamic terrorist organizations in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I couldn't name one off the top of my head because I don't know them, but I know they exist. Yeah. If someone went over there and joined one of them, I'd be like, "Oh, he and you were like, "Oh, he joined some radical Islamic group the in, KLA. in, in the yeah, yeah. In, in the Philippines, I'd be like, "Oh, that's shocking." Yeah. But like I'm not it's like I'm not putting a face to the name. Mm-hmm. But then it's like after 9/11, everyone knows who Al-Qaeda is, so it's very easy for us to be like, "Oh, this guy was in Al-Qaeda like 12 months before." Yeah, twelve months before the nine eleven attacks, but it's like we, it's I'm not I'm not defending his choices again, but I'm just saying like Al Qaeda at the time weren't a household name. That's it, and so it's kind of like again not not a justification, but it's like he's kind of just a a very small fish in a very big pond. Yeah, he's a hipster terrorist. He's pretty much yeah, he's a hipster terrorist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's not like it's not like he. Someone said now. If someone came to me now and was like, "Tom, I'm totally going to join Al Qaeda," I'd be like, "You're a fucking idiot." Yeah. Look, you're. They've got the beards. They don't really exist anymore. So they're hipsters. (laughs) They've got the beards. It's all ISIS these days. All these kids on the ISIS now. I'm I'm going for the next bandwagon. Yeah. Okay. So look. So he's in Al Qaeda training camp. Bin Laden is the head of Al-Qaeda at this time. And so something's up. Hicks is kind of like, yep, know who Bin Laden is. Uh, Seen him a few times. uh, Heard him speak around here. Mm -hmm. Possibly spoken to him and talked to him about translating materials. Yeah. Never heard of Al-Qaeda though. Don't know what it is. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of like saying, know who Richard Branson is. Uh, seen him on the telly, flown flown the, flown the airlines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, met him a few times, played golf with him. Shook his hand. D- don't know what Virgin is though. No, no idea. So yeah. that's kind of where we are. In Doesn't situation. quite fit together, does it? David now claims to have never met Bin Laden, but only saw him as part of a large crowd when he spoke. Mm, okay. So still Try to downplay the Bin Laden connection, which yeah. is which you would. I would downplay that if I had <laughs> a connection to Bin yeah. Laden. Cause, well, well, that's <laughs> because that's because we know what's to come. Yeah. Although we're clearly upplaying our connections to Hicks. You're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was his cousin. I'm like, I knew a mate who worked with his dad. Just like, <laughs> SAS just going to kick in our doors tomorrow yeah. morning and just put us in duffel. Adelon. Yeah. That'd be such great news for us. And they would use the photos in the they advertiser they of us with the fucking guns. Yeah, yeah. Me and Cambodia with the fucking, yeah. yeah. yeah I know. Me and a mate's farm. Yeah. 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 We're going so, down. <laughs> we're going down. The advertiser already hate us. So. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to target us. <laughs> it's like, Oh, and they even stole the Heaps Good History podcast. Like, that was our idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it's the year 2000. He's hanging out with Bin Laden. And we all know what happens in 2001. So, on September 9, 2001, 
David goes back over to Pakistan to renew your vape. Stay there. Stay <laughs> there. Don't go back. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean... Great you know, advice, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Great advice. Uh, two days later, Dave is just hanging around watching telly, doing whatever he does, sees the 9-11 attacks broadcast. Yeah, don't go back into Afghanistan. Well, yeah. depending on where he is in Pakistan, he might not necessarily be any, any safer, but don't go back into yeah, Afghanistan. that would seem like the worst decision. Yeah, but again, critical thinking skills... Yeah. He probably didn't necessarily know when the planes hit. This will be his defense, right? He'll yeah. be like, "I didn't realize it was anything to do with Al Qaeda." Of course, or the yeah, yeah, oh, right. well, but then, but how do you know? No, how do you prove he's, that? He's, yeah. So David claims he wanted to. He sees the attacks. He's like, "I've got to get back to Australia because I'm I'm in the middle of Shitsville." Yeah, which is worse than Smithfield. Yeah, <laughs> so big he's time, like, "I got to get back to Smithfield." When someone says, "I got to get back to Smithfield," yeah, 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 probably in a bit of trouble. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Shout out to our Smithfield listeners. Yeah. On people. balance, like Afghanistan, Smithfield, <laughs> it's like you've got you've you've got to serve twelve months in Afghanistan, or you've got to serve twelve months in Smithfield. I'd probably take Afghanistan. Okay, one of the best pizza places I've ever eaten at is uh, it's actually not in Smithfield, it's at Davron Park. I was also going to say one of the best pizza places I've ever eaten at was in Afghanistan. Afghanistan. So fuck Smithfield. <laughs> so um, David claims he wanted to Austra- return to Australia at this point, but don't know why. Claims he had to go back. Into Afghanistan to get his passport. He's like, um, (laughs) had a really, like, we're talking like awesome set of headphones. And I, stupid, typical David, typical, typical DH. um, I left (laughs) him, I left him at the hotel. So I had to go back into Afghanistan, get my headphones. And like, seriously, like, what do you know? Like two days after 9-11. Oh, shit. So, yeah, these aren't like the ones I give out on the airplane. These are good ones. Yeah. These, these are, aren't the ones with yeah, the funny two Like the Bose ones <laughs> yeah. that have like the noise cancelling. So it's yeah. like if you're, if you're standing next to me, all you can hear is like boop, but it's like negative noise that's going outwards so that I can get like better like bass presence in my ear. Yeah. I had to go back and get them. So Bin Laden is named as the prime suspect in the 9-11 attacks pretty much instantly as well. Yeah, because uh, he claimed responsibility. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing as well. And people are like, oh, it's an inside job. It's like, well... Well, no, wh- that, it's, why it's this guy claim, saying, what, I'm what, the, guy. the guy. Yeah, he, why did he claim yeah. responsibility for it? Yeah. So, um, David goes back to Afghanistan to get his passport. Of course. Just happens to run into a senior member of the Taliban who directs him to attend a military exercise. He's like, ah, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> you know what's going down. <laughs> Yeah, can you jackaroo? Hey, you the uh, Australian jackaroo boy, what? huh? You're a Muslim mm. Australian. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so Would he's you an just, Afghan. Uh, I got a new uh, disposable <laughs> camera from the Kodak. I, I think the stocks in this company are going to keep going up and up. Uh, how about I take a picture of you with a uh, rocket propelled grenade? I'm not sure I really want to. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so... He's in Afghanistan when the US start airstrikes, essentially. Yeah, which would, like... Yeah, US doesn't very, fuck around when it comes very to military. Very soon. Well, that's, that's the crazy thing, though, about the, like, about the early part of the war in Afghanistan is, like, they squandered the opportunity to actually capture these guys because they went in way too hard, way too yeah. early, and they just bombed the fucking shit out of Kabul and all the other, like, like metropolitan centres, metropolitan centres in, <laughs> you know... Yeah. Inverted commas. They like just went in and like like let's fuck this place up. That basically, catch him. And it's like, basically, no, no, that's just basically, yeah, everyone. basically, yeah. like it, it just everyone dispersed, went rural, heaps of people died, and 
none of the like people that were responsible or, that were running these camps and stuff they just yeah. like fucked off to the mountains of yeah. of Pakistan so yeah. obviously which because is where where they stayed until 2011 that's it <laughs> yeah. so this is this is what happens so dave's yeah. like oh shit i'm in deep now yeah and again like, no critical thinking skills i'll yeah. just hang around in afghanistan and get picked yeah, up yeah until like like they're striking me yeah. so he's very scared and in order to survive he arms himself i would do the same thing and wears a military uniform. Probably wouldn't do the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I'd probably be like, know, I'm, I'm an Australian. I, 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 honestly, I'd play up the ocker. I'd yeah. be like, how you going, cunt? <laughs> oh, fuck, mate. I'm, I'm fucking lost, eh? I just I had was, a couple of tinnies ended up here, I, mate. I just came Bucks back. party? Honestly, I came back in here just to get my noise cancelling headphones, <laughs> eh, man? Like, I was such a dickhead. I fucking left them here. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. I'm on the next plane to Bali, mate. As soon as you get me out of here, I'm gone, son. So he's full on Taliban now, military uniform, oh, guns, all that. Bad choice. But realizes shit's getting too deep and he wants out. So he tries to make an escape. Once again, critical thinking. Sells his weapon and tries to get okay. back to Pakistan. He's arrested. Uh, he's captured by the northern by a Northern Alliance warlord in Afghanistan mm-hmm. uh, around the 9th of December two thousand and one, and it's turned so over. He, yeah, so it's just an interesting aside that like, the Northern Alliance guys were like anti Taliban. Yeah. Um. So what happened was they were the US went in and then straight away like CIA operatives and stuff like that yeah. were basically like it, there's always. It's like sphere. It's like a sphere, a sphere of influence thing. So it's like you go into a country and it's like who has power in which parts of the country and who's against which part. And it's like if you're trying to dismantle, and the Taliban at this point were still the government, you know, the power, the, the 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 power, the governmental power. It's like who's against them, mm-hmm. and let's just arm those people. Yeah, that's right. And which they- is ridiculous because it's like, yeah, crazy because like the Taliban got into power in the first place because well. It's complex because parts of the Northern Alliance were fighting the Soviets as well. But the Northern Alliance were fighting the Soviets and the Taliban were fighting the Soviets. And the Taliban got into power in the first place because the US were arming them in the 80s to fight the Soviets. So it's like you go in there and you're just like, right, who's against the people that we want to win? So who who are the people that we want to win and who are they, you know, who's against the people that that we're against? Let's just give a shit ton of like weapons and funding and support to those. And they're offering like uh, the Northern Alliance like money to capture. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So capture a Taliban will give you, you know, five grand to be five thousand US dollars. Okay. So David Hicks has turned over to US special forces for five grand on the seventeenth of December. Uh, Hicks's father, which is a relatively small sum of money for a man's life. Yeah, that's it. They could have held out for a lot better. Oh yeah, they could have got a better deal. They could have got they could have got six grand. And hey, a, this guy's like got a, a set. Used, whoa, and a used magnet. Tom just dropped his microphone. That's right. This guy's this guy's got a set of uh, noise canceling headphones <laughs> that's worth that's worth at least five hundred bucks. Okay, so Terry was interviewed and said David was captured by the Northern Alliance, unarmed, and he's in the back of a truck or a van. Uh, he wasn't on the battlefield at all, which he wasn't at that stage. Uh, Terry's like. I don't know what this has to do with him working at an airline. <laughs> David was handed. I don't want to peanuts. point my finger at the Germans. <laughs> Actually, I think KLA is a Dutch airline. I don't want to put my thing, finger at the Dutch, but they've really dropped the ball with this one. What was he doing in Kabul? With you know, why are they even doing flights in there, mate? Was, was this a stopover or what? Was this refueling? My understanding I'm, I'm is he, to the bottom of he this. was he was there to drop off peanuts <laughs> or to collect them for the ongoing flight. He's an innocent man. Should have been there 
three hours max with the stewardesses. <laughs> Just keeping an eye Refueling on Refueling shouldn't <laughs> take any longer than 45 minutes, boys. So he's... Then, this is where it gets fun. He's transported to Guantanamo Bay. Uh, infamous. Cuba, yeah, yeah, totally infamous. Where he's uh, designated uh, as an enemy... Designated as an enemy combatant. Yeah, and the designation of enemy combatant, they have that in place because they don't want to call you a POW. They no, want to say that you're a prisoner all. of war because if you're a prisoner of war, they're subject to the Geneva Convention. They have to treat you fairly and decently and follow the rules and regulations. But if you're an enemy combatant, which is like a just a... It's like, oh, this le- dude was on the le- Legally yeah. jargon bullshit term for someone we don't like but can't, yeah. you know, um, do anything about... It's basically that means that they don't have to set a trial date Mm -hmm. and they don't have to, like if they have any kind of, you know, any regulations that are in place as a result of the Geneva Convention, which would apply to someone who is a prisoner of war, don't apply. That's it. So, yeah. I love how you know, I say this almost every episode, I love how you know so much about history and the things I speak about without... Knowing this, I know basically all of this from information I've read and well, gathered. Tom has no notes, by the way, for everyone listening at home. Well, I don't know about the um, the the kind of um, enemy combatant designation because I read. Of course, you did the well. No, there's there's a book by um, David Hicks's first lawyer, who's a guy called Michael Morey. Yep. Michael Morey. Um, you're going to mention him in a second, aren't you? Uh, no, I actually don't. I cut a lot of it out because it just goes on. For yeah. So okay. Long. Yeah. So um, I. Michael Morey's got a book. Um, he was a U.S. Marine, mm-hmm. uh, I think lieutenant, second lieutenant. And um, so how it works is, have you seen the movie A Few Good Men? No, I haven't. You've not seen the movie? No, I haven't. <laughs> actually haven't. Um, so Tom Cruise is a lawyer, Navy lawyer, mm-hmm. and um, Jack Nicholson's oh, like I know, a Marine, I know the a Marine scene, commander. Least, yeah, you can't, you handle, can't handle the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So like you have, um, because, because the United States military is huge, mm-hmm. There's like four branches of service, so there's Navy, Air Force, Army, but also Marine Corps. And because the United States military is huge, you've got people in like a whole range of different roles. So you've got like your military police and you've got your, you know, like your infantry soldiers and you've got your, you know, your pilots and your your loaders and your, you know, engineers and all that kind of stuff. But you also have military lawyers. Mm-hmm. So if someone gets court-martialed, so you're in the, you're in the, the Marine Corps and you, you know, do something that you're not supposed to do. You you have a Marine Corps lawyer who represents you. Yep. Okay. But because I'm US, he's kind of like looking out for my best interest. That yeah, that's well. right. That's right. Like if you've done something, well, he has a, a legal responsibility. But the, like it's it's an like a, it's a legal structure that exists within the military okay. rather than a legal structure that that exists within like civilian society. Okay. So if David Hicks was, um tried in a civilian court he would have been given a civilian lawyer yeah and um the the defense would have been like it would have been out in the open like everyone would have been able to see what was going on uh-huh. and it would have been like because they have different laws in the u.s they would you know potentially would have been able to have like cameras in the court and all yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff yeah. depending on what the judge decides and everything would have been open book like you would have been able to see the whole proceedings if you designate someone as an en- enemy combatant you can try them in a military court rather right. than trying them in a civilian court. So, so it's, it's a like, loophole. It's so a giant it's, it's, loophole. It's a giant loophole. So yep. you can then try them for acts of terrorism or whatever you want, but you do it in a in a setting where the the mil, like the press can't see what it's off the record. What, what's, it's off the record. The press can't see what's going on. So it's like it's still an official proceeding, and there's still like a log and a record kept. But it's like you're not 
accountable in the same way that you would if like the public was actually looking at what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And Michael Morey was, uh, I think, USM um, MC, so US Marine Corps, Navy, I think Marine Corps lawyer. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was like, he got assigned to Hicks. Yeah. So um, basically... Like, oh, fuck, just my luck. Well, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically, it's like... we, But it's like Hicks is your client. So we've got a whole bunch of terrorists. They need to be represented by somebody. Um, you're a Marine Corps lawyer. He's your guy. Have you done the safe handling? The safe food handling? Yeah, safe food handling, yeah. <laughs> but the whole idea with it is that he has to... Um, it, it's problematic for... Mike. So Michael Morey's book's really interesting because he talks about this because he's like... The Marine Corps was his, like the you know military was his life. Yeah, yeah. As with so, a lot of military. Fighting, yeah, and he's yeah. an officer, so it's like he wants to have a career. That's it. And he gets paid pretty well, and mm-hmm. he wants to. And it's like so he's in this position where he has to represent his client, and he has to do a good job. But at the same time, like the the public perception of people like David Hicks is that they're like terrorist pieces That's of right. shit. He does. The U.S. don't want him to get off. Exactly. And the U.S. is his employer. That's right. That's, that's right. it. So the U.S. don't want David Hicks to get off, but they also they're they're Michael Morris' employer. Yeah. So he's he's like kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So he talks about this in the book. He's basically like, I had to represent David Hicks. I had to do the the best job I could, but at the same time, I quickly like came to realize that pretty much what we've worked yeah. out from this yeah. discussion is that like like yes, he was in a very dodgy like in a very suspicious situation but like he hasn't really technically done anything that That's bad right. like he hasn't killed anyone he hasn't killed any americans he hasn't kind of you know what i mean it's like he's basically an, an idiot with he's no hanging critical around thinking he's an skills. idiot just hanging around basically yes yeah, he's a lost guy yeah lacking yeah, the critical yeah. thinking yep He's just radicalized yep, that's right. and has some strange beliefs and is kind of just stuck in a really awkward yeah. situation. And it's like he's been picked up, but now because he's been found in Afghanistan and he's sort of yeah, you know, yeah. in, in fighting for the Taliban, he's a terrorist. We don't want to kind of like give him a free pass and send him back to Australia. Mm. So they basically like just keep him at Guantanamo, but yeah. don't try him, don't actually charge Forever. him with anything. Yeah. yeah. So in, in, in Gitmo, Guantanamo yep. Bay, yep. he's... Um, Sorry, I'll use the word. No, no, go for it. Alleges during his detention, tortured in horrific ways, um, you know, beaten, sleep deprived, injected without consent, sexually assaulted. Which the lawyer, Michael Morey, obviously had nothing to do with. Yeah, no, no. But like, he's he's, he's also not given this information. Like, he doesn't know that that's going on. That's Like, he's trying to get the information out of his own government as to what's happening to his client, and he can't get that information. That's right. So, and he's like, Dave's in solitary confinement and classified as one of the top 10 dangerous people in the world. So, yeah. We did it, Adelaide. We got got one in the top 10. Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right. Well, you know. Straight out of Smithfield. Bevan Spencer von Arnhem thought he was going to get the top ranking, but beaten by by David Hicks. He was a hero. Oh, he was a hero. Um... Uh, but as the years go on, the US and Michael Morey quickly realise yep. like he's actually not a threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, quote, like, it's a think, joke. It's like one big joke. Yeah, yeah. I think this quote is from Michael Morey. Yeah. Um, quote, any American soldier who has been through basic training has at least 50 more times training than this guy. So yep. like, he yep. knows nothing. He's just a... I don't wa- know nothing. He's just a wanderer, lost soul kind of guy wrapped up with the wrong people. Or he's an incredible actor. Yeah. But perhaps even worse news for them is he actually hasn't broken any laws. Yeah, as you were getting. Yeah, well, to. and that's and that's the whole that's the whole chestnut. They the whole totally don't like what he's done, which is understandable. Yeah, but legally he's clean. Yeah, he hasn't done anything. Yeah, it's like if a crow. But that doesn't really matter. 
No. You can just because that's the whole nature of like designating someone as an enemy combatant and keeping it in a place like Guantanamo Bay is like they don't actually have to charge him with anything. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. It's disgusting. It's like if a Crows player went to port. He hasn't done anything wrong. <laughs> but <you're> like, <laughs> this fucking scum. What a piece of shit, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Right. So I'll spare all the trial details, but it goes on for ages. Um, the US keeps trying to make up new laws to imprison him. So I guess to like cover their asses for him being detained yeah. for so long. Yeah, because they don't like, want to let him out because then it's like acknowledging that they imprisoned him for all that time. It's like, it becomes this like self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like yeah. he's a dangerous terrorist piece of shit. We've got to keep him in prison, and then it's like five years later, actually, it's not that bad. But if we let him out now, it's like we kept someone who hadn't done anything wrong yeah. in prison for five years, and we look bad. It's like, and you don't want to fuck with the people of Smithfield. It's like if they find oh, yeah, out one of their time, own, big time. Yeah. they will be kicking <laughs> off. Yeah. So um, they keep trying to make these laws, but they're deemed unconstitutional. Uh, so in 2007, over like five or six years in Guantanamo Bay, revised charges were filed against Hicks uh, before a new commission under a new act, and Hicks pleads guilty in a plea bargain uh, in a new sentence, I guess, you know, in desperation to, like, get released. He just wants to go home. He's like, fuck it, yeah, fuck it. I'll I'll plead guilty to some shitty charge if I can serve the rest of my time in Adelaide and, like, get out of here, which everyone would do. Um, You know, he quotes um, instances of severe beating, sleep deprivation, and other conditions of detention that contravene international human rights laws. Anyone would do the same thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're going to be annually raped and beaten and injected with God knows what, or you're going to just go serve your time out in Adelaide. You in in Yatla, you get annually raped, beaten, and injected with <laughs> yeah. God knows what, but like, at least your family can come and visit yeah, you. Yeah, at least you can yeah. get a West End tinny, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, so in May 2007, he's flown back to Adelaide and serves the rest of his sentence in Yatla Labor Prison, where he's kept in solitary confinement in the state's highest security ward, G Division. I've been in G Division, by the way. Not for prison, but for work. They call it a low-down home at a G. <laughs> so then he's released in uh, December, late December. Did you ever meet David Hicks when you were working in G No, Div- but when I was in there, um, I, I kind of met eyes with Foccarelli. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah, no joke. And this was like the time when he was big. Yeah, yeah was like kind of at the time. He's still big. He runs a restaurant. Don't now, forget I it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. It. Do the Middle East. Do the Middle East an accent, Tom. You'd love like, it. Of all the people in Adelaide that I don't want to do an accent and fuck off, <laughs> Foccarelli is top of the list, mate. Uh, so he's released twenty uh, ninth December two thousand seven and placed under control order by the AFP, which like lasted less than a year. So he really was. Like, yeah, even the AFP is like, yeah, this guy's a fucking nobody. Like, who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And what's the risk? Like, what's the danger? Yeah. So yeah, really, yeah. In 2009, he married a human rights activist, uh, Alo- uh, Aloysia Brooke, uh, but they've since separated. In October 2012, the United States Court of Appeals rules that the charge under which Hicks had been convicted was totally invalid. Um, yeah, and the law because the law didn't exist at the time of the offense, and it could not be a, applied. You know, yeah, retrospectively. You can't, yeah, you can't. You can't be like, oh, it's a law now. Like he did. Yeah, this back yeah, then. yeah, like, yeah. No, no, yeah. We can't do that. Yeah. Um, so his conviction is overturned in 2015 by the U.S. Court of Military Commission Review, and that's mm. it. You know, he he you know he gets off. He he wasn't a terrorist. He's not convicted. No, he gets that, a kangaroo off. Yeah, you know, he knows how to jackaroo. Yep. He's still kicking around in the northern suburbs. I Is he? Th- yeah, I think he's a house painter at the moment. So you can probably get David. That's Hicks. amazing. I know, right? You can get that David. That is Hicks amazing. To you. Imagine the stories. That guy was at one point 
top 10 most dangerous people in the world and you could get him to come and, and like, paint your house. Uh, yeah, I reckon I could do these skirting boards for you. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably going to cost you, I don't know, about nine eleven dollars What's that? Oh, no, 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 nothing. nothing, nothing. <laughs> and um, also a little interesting side note, Michael Morey ended up, uh, the lawyer that represented David Hicks um, ended up moving to Australia, I think. Oh, really? I think, I think he lives in Australia now. Just to I think, hang out with Hicks? No, I think, no, I, I don't, no, nah, you wouldn't want to do that. He, he just um, heard a lot of the, the Jackaroo stories. No, I like, think, I think. I could go for this. Yeah, yeah he's like, <laughs> I, I'm up for that. Um, no, I think he uh, took the, the, the bar exam here and became a lawyer and I think he's a lawyer in the Eastern States. Oh, good on you. Yeah, yeah. Good on um, however, David Hicks was back in court last year, not a US military court, uh, but the Elizabeth Magistrates Court on domestic violence charges, which once again were oh, all dropped. Oh, God. They were all dropped. Uh, apparently his former partner had just made up these allegations. I think if there's one person you don't make up allegations against is David Hicks. <laughs> he knows the yeah. system pretty well. If the US government... <laughs> Yeah, it's like if the US government can't make up allegations and get them to stick, yeah. you don't have a chance in hell. David's like, nah, fuck the you. Slippery, I, I the system. slippery fucker. I mean, it's funny. I was watching some of the um, the footage of him rocking up to the Elizabeth Magistrates Court. He's got like a lot of fangirls now. Like people. Maybe who, he's just an incredible actor, though. Maybe he, he was be. like, maybe he was like top Taliban, top That's Taliban it. operative, and he was just like, I know nothing. <laughs> and then like smacks his wife when he gets home, and he's again just like, I, I know, know nothing. nothing. And they just like, wow, this guy's really. Conv- he seems like he just doesn't know. <laughs> seems like he's just wrong place at the wrong time. Well, it's funny you say that because I watched some videos of him rocking up to court, um, and the reporter's like, Oh, Dave, what are, what are you going to say about the charges? He's like, what what charges? No, I'm just just here to meet my dad on something. <laughs> so he's just like totally flat out denying it. And they're like, You're actually appearing in court right now. He's like. No, I'm not. <laughs> They're like, we have nothing to say now. Okay, so, yeah, I'm convinced that he's yeah. actually like a criminal genius. Like, you're a terrorist. He's like, nah. And they're like, ah. Oh. Te- we didn't expect you to say he's that. Like, you, he's like, you, you, you're a dangerous terrorist. Nah, terrorist my dad. <laughs> Just like acts like he doesn't know what's going on at all. He blames everything on his dad. He he's working for an airline. <laughs> nah, terrorist my dad. I work for an airline. It's Terrorism? Like, Nah, t- Terry's over there, mate. Terry's over there. I work for an airline. I know nothing. What day of the week is it? Wednesday. I thought it was Friday. They're like, this guy is an idiot. Leave him alone. And then he's, they walk away and he's, he's like the Kaiser Solstay. He like he <laughs> pretends he's got a limp, but as soon as like no one's looking, he's just like sauntering That's away with a smile on his face. He, he's the mastermind behind 9-11. That's it. He's the, he's the Building 7 guy. <laughs> Skipping down Main North Road. Oh, painting right. houses. Painting Inhaling out. fumes. He's yep. the new John Nash. Yeah, painting houses and just, just laying the foundations for a future of violence. Uh, yeah, so his partner made up the allegations. Um, it didn't take as long to get this case dropped this time. Uh, so, okay. Tom, thank you for your input. That no is worries, the story mate. of David Hicks. All right, have a laugh. Uh, beer of the episode. Beer of the episode, Cooper's Lager. Can't go past it. Love yeah, it. Yeah, I, I look back, yeah. finished the whole a South Australian classic, beer. much like David Hicks himself. Yeah. All right. Name a beer after Hicksy. Um... Was that really long? It felt like a really long episode. Uh, it wasn't too bad, but uh, yeah, have a laugh, have a lol. It's at a lol. <laughs>